Welcome to episode 16 of The Shannon Plan. We are finally recording an episode after a 49ers win. I'm joined by Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? Nothing much. How you doing, man? I hope uh, everyone's doing well after the Thanksgiving weekend. Everyone except for Doug Peterson, of course. Um, but yeah, following a Niner win, uh, victory Monday was good. And uh, yeah, man, they're back in the hunt. Back in the hunt. It's crazy. Yeah, we, we talk about this every week where playoffs, draft, what's going to happen. The roller coaster season continues for the 49ers. We are going to talk about the big news, though. So uh, with the recent news of Santa Clara County having their latest COVID protocols, the 49ers were forced to relocate. It came down to Arizona and San Diego. And the 49ers went with the state where COVID is not a thing. Um <laughs> In Phoenix, Arizona, where I happen to reside, you can go outside and see that there are plenty of people everywhere, no masks to be found, and there are reasons that they're so lax on the COVID protocol. So 49ers will spend more than likely the month of December in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, There are some pros. I mean, obviously, there are always some cons to this. They're not going to be able to see their families for five to six weeks. Raheem Mostert was tearing, like literally tearing up at the on the booth or in the booth on just after the game there, it, it was tough to watch. Um, you could tell that he, you know, he just had a, a child a couple months ago, a newborn. So um, the players being away from their families really does suck. And I, I want to make sure that that is something we do harp on. But um, aside from that relocating to Arizona, they're going to play on grass. They'll be indoors. Uh, and as we mentioned, they're going to be there probably for the next three weeks at the very least, but more than likely throughout December, so the Scottsdale 49ers, the Glendale 49ers, the Old Town 49ers, whatever you want to call them, Akash, are there what benefits do you see for the 49ers playing in Arizona? Yeah, I mean there there are some benefits for sure. Um, but just like you mentioned, it's a it's a terrible situation for just players, coaches, staff, trainers, everybody, uh, just to be away from their family during the holiday time. Um, you know, through December. Uh, Kyle says, you know, Kyle Shanahan said at least until, until December 20th, they don't know because the restrictions are through the 21st. Um, my guess is they'll just be there through the rest of the season. Um, cause week 17 is like right on the edge of new year. So my guess is they're going to be the Arizona Glendale Phoenix, whatever you want to call them, uh, 49ers the rest of the way. Uh, yeah, just, just an unfortunate situation, but, um, I, th- I actually think it'll galvanize them. And, you know, the team's going to be around each other the next five, six weeks. Um, They're going to be, you know, in the same hotel, same facility um, with each other. I think with limited distractions and things like that, it'll hopefully help build camaraderie and um, they'll be able to bond together a little bit. Um, Just things that, you know, fans and media may not be able to see on a day-to-day basis, but the team will be able to participate in. So uh, I think those things will be good. Just some other advantages. Uh, playing in Arizona, it is a dome. I'm sure you've seen State Farm Stadium, so uh, they won't have to deal with you know any poor weather conditions or anything like that. Uh, it is also a natural grass stadium, so no sticky turf. Uh, we all know what MetLife turf uh, you know causes nightmares for 49er fans, so that won't be an issue. They'll only have one artificial turf game the rest of the way. That's at Dallas, um, and so. All things considered, ending up in Arizona, terrible situation, um, you know, for the players, all that kind of stuff. 
but there are some slight positives to be taken away from that. Um, the other thing is the last time the Bills played in Arizona, they got Hale murrayed so they probably don't want to come back there. They probably have like a sour taste in their mouth. So, you know, just different things to consider, different angles to look at it. But it's par for the course in 2020. Everyone's had to adjust, adapt. Um, you know, hasn't been exactly fair for everybody. So, um, I Kyle Shanahan sort of just said, you know, they're not complaining, they're not making a giant fuss about it. They're just going to adapt and they're going to make try to make the best out of the situation. And with the team in the playoff hunt, I think they will use this to galvanize them. Yeah, and one of the that was one of the questions that Kyle Shanahan had during his presser on Tuesday was. Uh, is this going to be an opportunity for the 49ers to bond and kind of come together? And he said, well, actually, that's where we got in trouble before. So after the Saints game, apparently Shannon said that they had dinner for about 30 minutes or so. And that resulted in what led to, you know, nine players going on the COVID list. So he, he was pretty clear that this is like a work trip. So they're going to have to go and do their, you know, normal day-to-day football activities. But after that, they're going to have to go back to their hotel room and kind of just, you know, not be humans and not be able to talk to each other and hang out. So that, that, that was interesting to hear him uh, just, just put it in that perspective because you're just used to, you know, after you get off work, you, you hang out with your family, see your friends, do whatever it is, but to be crammed up in your hotel room for what might be five weeks or so is uh, just pretty depressing to think about, man. But that's, that's the times we're in, man. We're going to play the NFL and we're going to do this through a pandemic and, if that's what it takes to get these games done, that's what the 49ers are going to have to do. So um, moving on to the injury report, the 49ers did not make it out of a game without losing a player for the rest of the season. So Jamar Taylor, Nickelback, who is playing very well, he tore his ACL and he, Nimari confirmed on Monday that he's going to miss the rest of the season. You could, he was pretty broken up about it and you can see him just, you know, just letting all the emotion come out after after that injury happened, the other cornerback was Ken Webster, who had a severe hamstring pull. And Akash told us before the podcast that during the play, you could kind of see him running down the field on the special teams kick and just kind of going down. So He's it must have been, down. yeah, it must have been pretty bad. Um, the good news is the 49ers are going to have a few guys returning, not a few, just some prominent players returning from the COVID list, the COVID reserve list. And they're all going to practice on Thursday because playing on Monday night, their Thursday practice will just be when they start the week now. So Brandon Ayuk will play or practice Jordan Willis, DJ Jones. Those are the prominent names. And I believe there's a few other names on there that I'm just blowing off the top of my head, but having going into a must win game, which I feel like most of these are must win. And while it's, you know, not technically a must win, the more, you know, you win this game, you, uh, you just give yourself just that much more breathing room. And as the NFC continues to cannibalize itself, it makes more sense to just keep winning. Obviously Uh, I thought Shanahan had a good point where he, he talked about as long as he's been around, 10 games is what gets you in the playoffs. So the 49ers went out, obviously they'll win 10 games. Um, what? Let me ask you this. Of those players coming back, um, do you think that gives – does that make – obviously it makes a big difference against the Bills, but how much of a difference does having Ayuk back and a guy like DJ Jones um, and Jordan Willis because they're going to need all the pass, they can, the pass rush that they can get against a guy like Josh Allen? Yeah, that's massive. Um you know, we thought that they would get some of those guys back for this past Rams game, but fortunately they didn't. 
Um, obviously, Brandon Ayuk probably the most important out of that group, just what he provides as offense. Uh, just his development kind of as the season's progressed, he's developed into the best receiver on this team. But you see when they have Debo Samuel on the field as well, uh, what he can do. Um, he's he's being used more like a running back, which is unfortunate just given the quarterback and offensive line situation. Um, but between the both of them, then Kyle has more weapons, um, you know, for him to scheme and call up anything he wants. Um, I tweeted this out earlier. I think there's only been like two games when they've had, you know, Garoppolo, Kittle, Mostert, Ayuk, and Debo, probably their five most important offensive players. So they've only played together twice this entire season and just getting any of those guys back um, is good. So Ayuk super important to the offense and um, Bill's secondary is good. So getting uh, better receivers back, always good for your offense. Uh, DJ Jones, highly underrated. Uh, I know you're a big fan of just his ability. So uh, getting him back just will help this defensive line, which has just been ravaged uh, by injuries. So, yeah, these returns are huge, but, you know, uh, along the sort of positive news, Kyle Shanahan also delivered some not-so-good news today, which is that Weston Richburg, who su suffered a, a, a major knee injury last season, he will not return this year. Uh, Ronald Blair, who suffered a torn ACL, will also not return this year. They both suffered major setbacks during their surgeries, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, we will not see them. Uh, the 49ers will also not have uh, pass rusher D Ford the rest of the year. Uh, you and I had kind of heard rumblings about this back when he suffered the injury, uh, but it you know, wasn't really com confirmed up until today when Cal basically said, yeah, we're not expecting him back. Um, so those three guys, do we even see them in a 49ers uniform like ever again? Is there a chance that they're just done with the team? RIP, I don't see it at all. Um, just – uh, we talked about this a little bit, and, and this wasn't the first time we mentioned it, but assuming that Ford is just not going to get healthy because who does recover from a neck and a back injury? That's just not going to happen. But um, just talking about Ford's contract, the best case scenario would be he retires, the 49ers can recoup some cash, and can use that on another player. But I don't think that we see them, um, either of those three at all. He, yeah, just on his cap, D Ford and Weston Richburg account for uh, about 32 million next year. So, eh, you know, a good chunk of change. <laughs> if D Ford were, you know, D Ford's cap it were to come off and they cut Weston Richburg, then all of a sudden you got a lot of cap room to play with, especially in a year where salary cap is supposed to go down. So, yes, I would agree. We do not see them play for the Niners again. Let's talk about the 49ers victory. So, 23 to 20 over the Rams. This team just, as long as Jared Goff is under center, they're going to beat the Rams. I feel like we can just come out and say that because Goff just does not look comfortable when he plays the 49ers. Uh, the 49ers, the Rams have a very good defense, by the way. So for Kyle Shannon to come in and beat this team with a backup quarterback and not just a backup quarterback, obviously we know all the injuries they're missing, who I think is, you know, they're best receiver like they have a legit receiver and just to come in and play the way that they did I, I do want to give credit to Nick Mullins I'll, I'll talk about him a little more because he did not play well to start but he made enough plays at the end thought the defense made plays the defense did the defense held down did just did everything possible that they could aside from like two plays they just played about as well as possible and the offense just kept hanging around hanging around and the, yeah as I said this team they just 
own the Rams. It's it's predictable. Like we know it's going to happen. And now that I feel like we've seen it happen with a backup quarterback, there's just no doubting it ever again. Yeah, just the way that Kyle Shanahan and, and Robert Sala really have beaten, you know, Sean McVay and the Rams is just has been funny to watch because, you know, the you know, last year in LA, the 49ers just ran the ball down the Rams' throat. It was a beatdown. Then you come back, I think it was like Christmas weekend. Uh Jimmy Garoppolo drives him down the field. He hits two third and sixteens, um, which are just wild plays on a final drive to go win it. Um, then you look earlier in the season, uh, Niners wall, you know, backs were against the wall. They had to have that game. Kyle Shanahan came out with a beautiful game plan, got, uh, his playmakers, the ball in space and they won a must win game. Then this, this time, uh, Rams first loss at SoFi stadium in LA, which is beautiful by the way. Um, so just Robert Sala, just, I think they have Jared Goff's number, social security, phone, bank account number, whatever number, they have it. Um, Jared Goff, just when you take away his first read and you start to pressure him, even with the lack of pass rush that the Niners have, he just starts to do stupid shit. And, you know, like running and letting Jimmy Ward, who's the toughest SOB on this team, like, you know, just doing stupid crap and turning the ball over. Like, just can't do that. Sean McVay basically called him out for it after the game. Um, so I just can't say enough good things about what they did. Um, you know, even though it was after the bye, Rams are going east to west on a short week, all that stuff. Just an incredible win uh, when you have a backup quarterback and you beat, what were they, 7-3, and three, a 7-3 and three team. Yeah, some people were talking about how the Rams might be the best team in the NFC before this just because – the way that they won, the way that they beat Tampa Bay, and just the way that they've been playing as a defense. But I think what was most impressive is how the 49ers won this game. So they, you, you don't win when you turn the ball over three times against any team. You don't win when you turn the ball over against you know a team that's above 500 and with an elite defense like the Rams have. So to just to be able, able to overcome that, and as we mentioned, they didn't run the ball very well. So they had a 19-yard gain by Jarek McKinnon on third and – 52 21. or whatever yeah like <laughs> yeah. uh he so that yeah he did but that, that just that run didn't do anything there was two other runs where Mostert and Jeff Wilson had a 10-yard carry and that was because the line just steamrolled the Rams so if you take those two 10-yard carries and the 19-yard gain away the 49ers averaged 2.8 yards per carry on 30 other carries so they didn't play well and we saw what happened when Mullins, just Mullins in general throwing the ball. It was an adventure. So to be able to to just come away with a win, an ugly win, I think says a lot about this team. Who, in your opinion, was the MVP of this game? Uh, yeah, I'll go. So I'll go offensive, defensive. So defensive MVP is Jimmy Ward. I thought he played the best game of his life, probably. Um, I mean, I can't say enough good things about what he did on the field on Sunday. Um, I'm not a big PFF grade guy, but when they rate you 95 or 94.7 or whatever it was set, you know, highest rated, highest rated game by any safety in the last two years, like, yeah, that says something, right? It's an outlier. Um, he finished with four tackles, three run stops, two forced fumbles, a PBU. Uh, he only gave up three catches on like eight targets. I think, uh, he was fantastic. 
Um, the other thing, he played uh, 28 snaps in the box, uh, which were the most he's played in the last four years. So they were kind of playing more to – they played him a little differently than they normally have. Clearly, it seemed to work against the Rams. He was just physical, tough. Um, that's Jimmy Ward that we saw a lot last season. Um, and he had his fair share of struggles, especially in man coverage earlier on, earlier on in the season. But I thought he was phenomenal on Sunday. So I would give him the MVP defensive side of the ball. Offensive side, I would go Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel's the easy choice. And I'll, and I'll you know, I have another guy and I'll tell you why after. Uh, Debo Samuel, 11 catches, 133 yards. He had 136 after the catch. So this is the same thing that happened to, you know, Debo Samuel against the Rams the first time. Jimmy Garoppolo and Nick Mullins throwing for negative air yards. Um, and Debo Samuel uh, being a yak god. Uh, broke six tackles, just could not be stopped. Um, I wonder if he had any added extra motivation about the whole Aaron Donald situation. Clearly, social media would suggest that it is true, which I appreciate because it's always fun when there's like these added rivalries within the between the teams, even though you know we talked about the whole Aaron Donald thing wasn't a big deal. But I love that that kind of stuff fires these guys up. So I would go offensive MVP Debo Samuel. I think Nick Mullins is actually a close second. And I, you know, everyone's shitting on him on my Twitter timeline. You know, everyone's like, Nick Mullins sucks, blah, 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 blah. But in the fourth quarter, when it was nut cutting time and the Niners needed plays to be made, Nick Mullins was 11 of 14 for 117 yards. He had 102 passer rating. They had three 20 yard plays. And 99 was like in the backfield, like every other play. And Nick Mullins just hit plays and plays need to be made. He made them. So he would be my uh, runner up. What about you? Yeah. Just talking about Jimmy Ward, man. He no doubt about it. This was the best that I've seen him play. And I, I feel like I've seen a good amount of him play just day, even dating back to college. And he's always been aggressive. What golf was thinking when he tried to take him on, I just have no idea. That was yeah. one of the dumbest plays I've ever seen a quarterback make. He tried to run him over. He tried to truck him. He like yeah. lowered his shoulder. That, why? <laughs> like that was <laughs> I'm not a Rams fan, and that was frustrating for me to watch. But I so outside of his targets, giving up, first of all, giving up three completions for uh 16 yards on eight targets is insane. But there were other plays where he wasn't targeted. And he was the reason that the 49ers sacked the quarterback. There's one that sticks out of my head where Goff drops back, looks left, stares at Cup because that's how he plays quarterback. Jimmy Ward shuts down, just erases Cup, has nowhere to go. So Goff has to move to his right because he's a slow processor, like an old school computer. It takes him forever to do that. 49ers get a sack, Rams punt. Like those are the plays that you can't really give Ward credit to in the stat sheet. That he just that he was making, I, th- I think he is just a phenomenal player, man. I, he's able to obviously he's able to make plays um, near the line of scrimmage. He has the speed to make him deep. He he lets this defense get away with a lot. It's it's just a crazy luxury to have a player to say, hey, on this play, go guard Cooper Cup. Hey, on this play, go guard Robert Woods. Hey, on this play, we actually need you to guard a tight end. We're going to need you to take on a block from a lineman. Like, he does all these things at a high level, and it's it's really, really fun to see. On offense, uh, yeah, I mean, Debo said you – I don't know how you say anybody besides Debo Sam, just looking at what he was able to do. I want to give credit, though, to Lakin Tomlinson, who was – He was uh, good. I just – 
don't think that I really see a guy block Aaron Donald like the way he did one-on-one. And obviously there was a clip the last time these two teams played where Daniel Brunskill kind of rolled Donald. But this time they were leaving Tomlinson one-on-one with Donald. And he was like getting his hands on him first. He was keeping him at bay. He was like mirroring his moves. You just don't see people do that. Uh, Trent Williams and just Lakin Tomlinson were a, a, a real joy to watch in this one. I'm glad you brought up Nick Mullins because he does. He just doesn't get the credit. Like if this were Jimmy Garoppolo, we would be hyping him up for Jimmy four- Garoppolo would have been MVP after this game. Boy, the way that Nick Mullins played in that fourth quarter. Seriously, that's not an ex- that's not an exaggeration. It, was, it that was frustrating for me because. First of all, he drove like he made a play on third and 10, the end of the first half, third and 10. Aaron Donald gets by Colton McKivitz because that's what's going to happen when you have a fifth round rookie guard blocking the best player in the NFL. Mullins avoids Donald, flushes to his right, keeps his eyes downfield, finds Kendrick Bourne on for an 18 yard gain. Now the 49ers are in a position to kick a field goal. Their high paid field goal kicker did not make the field goal. That's not on Mullins. They he was in a position to score points. In the after, so there was this play in the third quarter where I think everybody remembers third and ten. Uh, he they run a double move to Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed doesn't run a good route. Mullins still decides to throw it to him. If you can watch that play, go back, watch Kyle Shanahan. He is arms wide like this, wondering what are you doing, and then he's jumping up and down like he's re- like visibly frustrated that he sees Mullins throw the ball after that play. Mullins must have got a sharp, sharp uh, talking from Shanahan because he went 13 for 16 for 152 yards. Of those, six went for first downs. He was legit extending plays with his legs. He was accurate. He was throwing the ball like into traffic, which is like, oh, where like where did this confidence come from? That was the real thing that I was um, that I just didn't see happening that we really haven't seen from Mullen. So he's making plays. Fourth quarter comeback drive, game tying drive game winning drive and then he got a QB win so um I, I if if Jimmy does what he did we are not seeing headlines that uh 49ers defense come, um beats the Rams like there were so many headlines like can we can we acknowledge what he did he he did what he was asked to do so yeah to just props to props to Mullins for overcoming the early mistakes because yeah he made mistakes but Jimmy has done that plenty of times but and bounced back so it was good to see that Nick did the same the mental fortitude it takes after you're down on the road, you were up, you had all the momentum, and when the Rams scored that touchdown early in the fourth quarter, I think there were like 14 minutes left, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, they're done. I mean, how is this team going to come back? They had this lead. They had all the momentum. Um, they just It just looked bad, right? And so for, the, for Nick Mullins to lead that offense down the field for two field goal drives to go win that game, it's just... I yeah I can't say much more about the toughness that he displayed and um, you're right I, I feel like he was not discredited but he wasn't properly credited for his play in that fourth quarter um, yeah it's like people just remember the bad plays he made in the first half but don't remember the fact that he drove them uh, you know 50 yards each of the drives uh, to go score let me ask you this do the 49ers win this game if Jimmy's under center does Jimmy make the same plays with his leg? Because I, I, there are five plays in my mind right now where Mullins runs out of sacks. You like that yeah, hasn't he, happened from that Jimmy. hasn't happened. That's a good point. That's a good question. 
I wonder if Jimmy would have made some of the earlier throws that Nick sure. Mullins would Nick Mullins missed, and maybe that like compensates for it. And maybe it, this game would have been like you know further apart. Maybe um, I'm not. I'm not sure if the plays that you're referring to where he like has the escapability and throws off, you know, off balance. Not sure if he makes those, but just, just credit to Nick. Right. And, and that's what the real point is. I, I don't think it, I, I don't understand why there was so much resistance to giving him credit because you would think rooting for your team to win, you would do the same for the quarterback uh, for both quarterbacks, but that, I, that wasn't the case. Go ahead. I, I, I not to interrupt, but I, I hesitated to say, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't have made those plays because it would have ended up as a soundbite and I would have been, you know, just dragged through the mud tomorrow, like as a Jimmy hater and, a, you know, all that Big stuff. Hater. Yeah. Yeah. Context is king, guys. <laughs> Always. So let's do some uh, stock up and stock down. So in this game, who do you like? What position group impressed you the most? Ooh, um, position group that impressed me the most, uh, defensive line. Yeah. Um, they got after it and would you like, what? would you see, uh, y- you and I have been rooting for him probably since training camp and I'm going to go rewind when we talked about Solomon Thomas, Kevin Givens and Kentavia street. Cause I think I said Kevin Givens might have time, the biggest impact. Look, time out, time out real quick. Yes, you are right. And I don't want to minimize that at all, but our producer Rob like hated that we propped up Solomon Thomas in the preseason. And it turned like he turned out to be right because what we're seeing from Givens, like he was much, much better. But I think it's just hilarious thinking back at that because when what you saw <laughs> on the field in training camp, Solomon was playing very well. But just seeing what Givens has done, man, just not even in the in the it's, same, it's not stratosphere. Even the same stratosphere. No, yeah. no. Go ahead. Sorry. Kevin Givens, an undrafted free agent, has done more in his career than Solomon Thomas, number, what, three overall pick has done. That's rough. (laughs) You know how insane that is? I mean, uh, same position. And Kevin Givens, you see, especially against the run, when he pushes through some of those double teams, man, all credit to Givens and Chris Kacarek. Uh, That's like, you know, when Jim Tom Sula, back when he was here, used to have those guys that he would like, um, I forget his name, but he used to have like the long hair. He ended up, I think he plays for the Broncos now. Um, Purcell, Mike Purcell, that ah. guy. He used to have these like undrafted free agent gems that he would like develop. And now like Chris Kacarek is doing that. And yeah, there was just a couple of plays. I tweeted one out yesterday. Kevin Givens just making plays, man. Um, but aside from that, I thought Eric Armstead played pretty well. Uh, Javon Kinlaw had the pick six, uh, even though I thought he wasn't as consistently as good as he, he was against New Orleans. Um, and then Kerry Hyder, dude, is just has an unstoppable motor. He's one of those just high-effort guys. And none of his sacks are, like, flashy, just, like, you know, beat the tackle or anything like that. It's just effort. Um, there was one play where he's chasing Goff as Goff's rolling out right, I think. And he is full extension, full dive to try to make, like, a shoestring tackle. He didn't make the tackle, but just effort like that. Um, Detroit can't get anything right. But they hit on two picks, uh, Kerry Hyder and Lakin Tomlinson. Both are Niners, thankfully. Um, so just I can't say enough good things about the D-line. Yeah, they are getting production from guys that they should not be getting production from. And if that's not the epitome of coaching, I'm not sure what is. So as you mentioned, Hyder, I think he has, what, like seven and a half sacks now? Which yeah, I think that sounds right. 
like a half sack off of his career high. Imagine it's safe to say that he'll get that. Uh, I want to give all the credit in the world to Kevin Givens because the play that you talked about, you tweeted, he made another play in the backfield like that two plays later on Kerry Hyder's QB hit. That does not happen if Kevin Givens does not do his job. On Javon Kinlaw's interception, Kerry Hyder beats his man, hits golf, errant throw, INT. There are just a handful of plays in this game where he doesn't have, like, he's not in a stat sheet on, like, a tackle or any sort of QB hit or whatever, but he's in the backfield, like, three three yards, resetting the line of scrimmage. Um, he is an explosive type of pinball. Which I don't know what you call him. He's just a wrecking, and offensive linemen have no answer for him just yeah. because his athleticism, man. It's it's evident that there is nothing on the team like Givens that can penetrate in the way that he can from the inside. Like he just has so much more juice compared to everybody else. And he has no idea what he's doing right now. But <laughs> as soon as he figures that out, he has potential to be like a really, really good player. Like honestly, I would not just drafted another defensive tackle or just find a way – because they're going to need bodies, obviously, because they're going to be thin at the defensive line. But I, I, I would be more comfortable playing Kinlaw as like the one technique and just letting Givens, just giving Givens all those reps because he looks like the real deal. So, yeah, defensive line, man, they've been great. Uh, Eric Armstead is playing a lot better than people realize, I think. And he's not he's not going to have the sack numbers. That just That's not who he is this season. He's, he's going to have to be, you know, a 1B type of player. Moving forward, obviously, with Bosa coming back, that that won't be an issue. I think Kerry Hyder is going to be just a terrific, um, you know, second-tier type of rusher. You don't want him to be your guy either. But the depth that they've shown this year and the, for the guys to be able to play at the level that they have has been super impressive. And that's, yeah, that's all credit to the coaching, I feel like. Um, stock down, who did not impress? Um, so you had good things to say about the offensive line. You talked about the left side of the offensive line because Trent Williams and Lakin Tomlinson, if you didn't see it, uh, Cal tweeted out a bunch of uh, clips or a one tweet with a bunch of plays where those guys were just road graders. So ignoring those guys, I thought the right side of the offensive line was a stock down, um, especially Colton McKivitz. I think he gave up four pressures and I get you're going up against Aaron Donald probably the most unstoppable force I've seen in my lifetime. Like I didn't get to see Lawrence Taylor, you know, behind my day, but from what I've seen in my, whatever, 20 years, he feels like the most unstoppable thing. Like he has the speed off the edge that like a Nick Bosa does. And like the power that like a Warren Sapp did just an unfair, uh, combination of skills. Um, that being said, I thought the combination of Colton McKivitz and Mike McGlinchey were just getting blown by on like every other play. Um, and somehow Nick Mullins made plays despite that. So I would say stock down on the right side of the old line. Yeah, I, I like what the offensive line had to do. I thought that some of the pressures that we saw and some of the sacks were on Mullins early on. And I don't believe that Mullins was pressured until the middle of the second quarter, I want to say. So, yeah, I, I really didn't have any issues with the offensive line as a whole. Obviously, you know, there's, what, 60 plays in a game. So when you see that, when that happens, you are going to remember the one time or the the two or even if it's three times where an offensive lineman gives up a pressure. So on those 70, there were 72 plays in this game and Mullins was hit on three of those. 
McGlinchey responsible for one because what would a game be if McGlinchey wasn't beaten by linemen? Um, <laughs> McKivitz was beaten by, again, one of the best players in the NFL, if not the best player. And then the other one, I believe, was on Daniel Brunskill, who I feel like has been playing pretty solid at center. And they're going to have a decision to make if he keeps playing like this. I, I just think his athleticism gives him um, an opportunity to to create you know, a, to generate big run, running plays. I do think that, you know, I do agree. Like McKivitz probably isn't the answer, but they don't really have a choice right now. So, yeah, I, I just feel like for what they are, for what they're being asked to do, I, I just really think the offensive line has done a really good job. My stock up, I, I've been more and more impressed by the receivers. I thought Richie James looks like a legit player, like out of nowhere. And this sounds really stupid because – Nobody on none of the receivers have been really good blockers this year, but Richie James, who weighs like 120 pounds, is the has been the best blocker, and he had some really good blocks in this game. And obviously, Debo Samuel, what he does when the ball is in his hands, Kendrick Bourne finds ways to uncover as a receiver. He's just really good over the middle. I think that receiver core can be really good. And obviously, when they get Ayuk back, hopefully next year, the, the legend of Jalen Hurd will continue to grow if he's able to do anything. They just have a solid group, man. And I feel like once they get that position under center solved, we will have a better idea of how talented uh, these guys are. So we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about playoff scenarios and Monday night football. All right. So we are back and we are going to talk about the 49ers who all of a sudden are in prime playoff spot. So the Cardinals, it helps because the Cardinals lost to the Patriots and Tampa Bay lost. But I'm not sure how big of a deal that is because I imagine it's going to come down to the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Cardinals. We are probably not going to have that 18th week where there is an eighth seed added because the NFL is not very smart. And despite having seriously over 20 positive COVID tests, the Ravens and Steelers have just keeps getting postponed, postponed. They're going to play on Wednesday. So unlikely unless you know there's another outbreak which i mean the with the way things are trending who knows but anyway where do the 49ers playoff odds currently stand akash super bowl i mean i feel like that's where the mood has shifted in the in 49ers twitter land uh all of a sudden they win one game and it's like playoffs but they're still very much on the outside looking in it's it's good that they're finally uh, on those like in the hunt graphics that like ESPN puts up or like Fox puts up when they when they talk about playoff scenarios. They finally made it. So, um, like you mentioned, um, and Football Outsiders, which we all love, uh, does their playoff simulations. Uh, so the Niners now have an eighteen percent chance of making the playoffs, um, and it's basically you know if they get in, it's going to be as that you know, number seven wild card, uh, number seven seed in the wild card. Um, as a result of their win against the Rams, um, their playoff odds increased by about 14%. So they were, you know, dead in the water and they get a win. And now all of a sudden they have like a one in five shot of making the playoffs basically. Um, and now as we look forward to playoff scenarios and I'm sure as many fans out there who are like going through all the combinations, um, I always think of the picture where I forget what it's from, but there's like the guy standing in the office with like, 
in front of like the pin board and there's like just a ton of crap on the wall and he's like freaking out. Like that's what I imagine. Um, and so Niners at five and six right now. There's two other teams that are five and six. The Bears, who they may not win a game. Matt Nagy's like calling out his team. They may like turn on him completely. So I think the Bears fall off. The Vikings, who are five and six, they're kind of up and down, but you know, they have Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins, so you never know. They have games against the Saints and the Buccaneers later on in the season. So they have some tough games left. And again, if they lose one or two of those, um, they're probably out of the mix, which I expect to happen. So I think it personally, it comes down to Arizona and San Francisco. Arizona, who has a game lead on the Niners sitting at six and five. They have two games left against the Rams in the division. Uh, they have a game against the Giants, I believe, which New York is a tough out. I think Giants probably going to be in the playoff mix in their own division. So that's not just like a given W. They also play the Niners later on the season, which will probably have major playoff implications. So just looking kind of at the other teams who are in the mix, I think the Niners can get there if they can just win, um, you know, four of their next five games. I think Kyle said 10 wins. I think nine and seven will get you there. And now the question is, can they get to nine and seven? And with some of the injury issues we talked about earlier, one of the things Shanahan mentioned earlier was that Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle will not return until the last few weeks of the season, um, which means that Nick Mullins is going to have to win you two of the next three games, assuming Garoppolo can win out uh, the last two weeks. So do you think that Nick Mullins can win two of the next three games and then somehow lead this 49ers team to the playoffs. The good news is against Buffalo, he won't have to because anybody can run on Buffalo. You can gash Buffalo on the ground and the defense should be like, it'll be up to the defense to get stops and it won't be on like the onus won't be on Nick Mullins. I imagine in the same way it was against the Rams. So what we saw from Mullins last week might be the last time where he's asked to, you know, lead the team to come back. So we got that out of the way. Like I'm, I imagine Kyle's, <laughs> Kyle's like, whew, we're good. Like we have the Bills now, which the Bills are a – I want to make it clear. Like they're a good team and they have playmakers and we'll talk about them. But matchup-wise is what the NFL is about in the same sense that the Rams are a bad matchup for the 49ers. I don't think the Bills are a very good matchup in most spots anyway. And the reason I brought up the Vikings and I know they're, they're five and six, much like the 49ers. So they still have, they play the Jaguars on Sunday. Let's say that that's a win six and six. Then they play the bucks loss, probably seven and six They're They have a couple coin flip games. So they play the bears and the lions and that's sandwiched in between the saints are sandwiched in between there. So they're, they're probably going to lose to the Saints. I don't know. Like, they'll they'll probably beat the, the Bears just because the Bears are the Bears and they, they haven't won a game in 10 years, it seems like. And the Lions just aren't very good either. So it'll come – I think the Vikings will be there. I think their defense is playing better too. So that will be something to keep an eye on. But I don't – when you watch Arizona, they just make so many knuckle-headed plays. Like, they always find a way – to lose a game and you know with, with the way that they're trending i i trust the rams more than them so i think that they're going to lose the rams and i imagine when the the 49ers they're not going to get swept by the cardinals like that i just don't see that happening i know that the cardinals are much better i know that they're probably not going to you know look anywhere near that they did in week one when these two teams played but 
I just don't think that they're as good as their record appears. So I, I, I'm with you that I think the 49ers have a much better chance than a week ago. I think it actually comes down to the 49ers and the Vikings. And it's going to be if the, if the 49ers beat the Cardinals, I think that that would be the trick. Like, I think that's what will get them over the hump. And and that's assuming that the Vikings, you know, go in the same um, that nine and seven, eight and eight. Uh, if they end up beating the Saints and oh, boy, we got <laughs> we might have problems. So, do you know, I, I don't know that the tiebreakers are the, you know, the head to head division conference whatever it is for the vikings and the 49ers and obviously you know we'll be able to sort that out as we get a few weeks down but i I lean 49ers just because better coaching better players (laughs) like that's another thing they have a ton of good players and i don't feel like people understand that the reason that they are able to even we're even entertaining this conversation is because the 49ers defense like they're stacked on defense they have a ton of weapons on offense they do have a good offensive line they just haven't had a quarterback to you know hide the same issues that other that other quarterbacks are able to we're seeing videos every week of mahomes making these crazy backpedaling throws as he's under pressure we see that with a, a few quarterbacks, not just Mahomes, obviously, because that's not a fair, you know, comparison to, to compare the best quarterback in the NFL. Shoot, Kirk Cousins makes plays um, with a poor offensive line. So uh, as soon as we see a quarterback be able to elevate the talent that's here, I think we'll have a better idea of how truly stacked this uh, this roster is. So my answer is the 49ers with the Vikings in a very close second. Like you can flip a coin and I. Um, I, I'd be very, very surprised. Do you do you know by chance the the tiebreakers? Yeah, I just pulled those up as you were um, talking there. So, so the tiebreakers between assuming there are two teams with the same record and not three, uh, it's head to head. First, Vikings 49ers do not play, so that doesn't apply. Then it turns out it's the best uh, winning percentage in games played within the division, which I actually did not know. Uh, the Vikings right now are three and one in their division. The 49ers are two and two. Um, and obviously still have two games left. Those two would be must win games because they need those just to get to that nine and seven type spot. So in theory, I think they end up at like four and two in the division. Uh, Vikings are at three and one and they got the bears and the lions. So they may have a better division record at the end of the year. If we, you know, if it comes down to that tiebreaker. Which would be unfortunate. But. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Let's talk Bills. So the 49ers can do themselves a big favor if they beat the Bills. As it stands right now, the Bills are three-point favorites. And it was down to two and a half as of this afternoon. The total on that is 48. So Vegas is expecting about a 26-23 ball game. The Bills, as I mentioned, they are very good. They have... So I think Josh Allen gets a bad rap. I think he's been playing very well. Obviously, he's a roller coaster, and I enjoy that. So maybe I am partial to those type of players. But Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the NFL. This season, Josh Allen ranks seventh in DVOA. He's sixth in quarterback ranking – or, sorry, quarterback rating. He's fourth in completion percentage over expectation. Allen just bombs throws. And one thing that the 49ers are going to have to be ready for are these quarterback runs because on the second play of the game last week, designed quarterback run, Allen runs for six yards. As we know, the 49ers kryptonite on defense is a quarterback that has any semblance of athleticism. So if you can run, you are probably going to hurt the 49ers. I'm pretty fascinated to see 
how the 49ers attack the Bills. Are they going to, you know, live in man coverage? Are they going to play soft zones? Are they going to be aggressive and come after Allen? What do you think we see from the 49ers defense? So, interestingly, I was having a conversation about this with someone else. Um, and I went back and I was looking at the Tennessee-Buffalo game um, earlier. Because uh, I had the day off yesterday and I just had some free time. Um, and Josh Allen actually struggled against Tennessee's zone. And I'm not sure if because they played that game on like a Tuesday, I think, and it was like some weird schedule, or if he just legitimately struggled against that, against that defense. And Mike Grable's unit has not been particularly good this year. But they did a number on Josh Allen that week, and I think Robert Sala could take a page out of that playbook. Um, and I think I would go that route rather than just playing man, just because uh, Buffalo's wide receivers are pretty underrated. I mean, Stephon Diggs has been fantastic this year. Um, and they've just got too much speed on the outside for the Niners corners, I think, to keep up. Um, so I would go that route, um, throw as much confusion as possible in Josh Allen's way. In my head, I totally see Richard Sherman picking off Josh Allen by like confusing him or dropping off, peeling off of a different route and reading what he's going to do. Like I see that in my head playing out that way. Um, he's been playing really well. Got to give him credit where credit is due like you mentioned i just think he makes not golf level mistakes but some type of errant uh throw mistake interception fumble whatever because he's just a roller coaster that will aid the 49ers so i would go that route um and i think while that side of the ball is probably the more important matchup i think the 49ers offense has like a significant advantage over sean mcdermott's unit so they're able to put points and put pressure on Josh Allen all the better. Um, but yeah. The, the contrast in what we see, what we've seen from the Rams this season compared to what we'll see from the bills offense is just night and day. Like the bills chuck it. They will throw the ball all over the place and they'll throw it down the field too. So Josh Allen has thrown the ball over 20 yards this season, 32 times. Nick Mullins and Jim Garoppolo have thrown the ball over 20 yards. 20 yards this season, 23 times. And Stefan Diggs, man, I mentioned, so he has 80 catches this season, which, okay. He has caught 74% of those to his targets and he has 948, five yards, but I, I'm, that's good that you brought up Allen's turnovers because he will give the defense plenty of opportunities and he's thrown four interceptions on those deep passes. And he has four other ones on, you know, all the, all the other throws one thing that I would be worried about when you when you mentioned Sherman, you know, baiting him, Sherman was just wild disrespectful to Goff. He 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 would <laughs> he would just let receivers run by him. Like he wouldn't even guard them. It was unreal to watch. I, I don't think I've really seen somebody do that since like Asante Samuel did it way back with the Patriots. He was seriously um, letting guys run by him just to jump routes, and he was getting tackles and hits. But I, I'm a little. I don't think he would do that against Josh Allen, knowing that, you know, Josh Allen's going to air it out. Um, the one one area that I talked about where the 49ers will have their way is against the Bills on the ground. They just – they're not good on defense. They get gashed, and especially with the way that Kyle Shanahan motions everybody, uh, motions players before the snap, they're just not going to be able to stop the 49ers' run game, which – has not been good by any you know stretch by any measure by any stat 
And we, we talked about, you know, 49ers struggling on the ground against the Rams, but the Rams are an elite defense. The Bills have given up the fourth most explosive running plays this season. They're, um, they're not very good in adjusted line yards. They've they're 20, also – They're 19th. I just have it pulled up too. Okay, perfect. And then the Football Outsiders also has a stat. Uh, they're 25th in running back yards. They are dead last in second-level yards, which means they are allowing carries – um, to go between five and 10 yards more than anybody else in the NFL. So that is great. And that means Nick Mullins will live in third and four, like third and manageable. And another stat that stands out is the Bills being fifth most in missed tackles this season. So you combine that, you combine that they just can't get pressure. They can't generate pressure. They're one of the bottom 10 teams in pressure rate this season. And they give up big plays. Everything points matchup wise that the 49ers should win this game. The question is, will St. Nick not turn the ball over? Because I feel like that's what it'll come down to. The Bills are going to make their plays and we should we should acknowledge that as well. Like Stefan Diggs is going to make plays and you are probably people are probably going to get mad. But he does that against everybody. Like Josh Allen's going to scramble around and do something crazy like some highlight play. But. 49ers are going to have to be ready when he gives them a ball and gives them a chance. So what, what's your score prediction in this one? What do you think? Uh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go – I think the Niners win. I think the Niners win. This is a must-win game again. They've just lost too many games early on in the season. They're in the playoff mix. Team knows. I think Nick Mullins, after last week's performance, rides a little bit of that confidence. Um, they're going to get guys back. They're going to get Brandon Ayuk. Uh, back to go along with Tebow Samuel, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. was running super physical. So I think they're going to be able to lean on that running game like you mentioned. Um, I think they're like the 26th ranked rushing defense in DVOA. So they're going to do that. Nick Mullins is going to have to hit some plays and not turn the ball over. I think he does that. Um, I will go like 31 31- 27 or something like that it's it, all these games are always going to be close but i think it's a little bit high high scoring so you think that nick mullins will be able to score 31 points uh short fields sure uh, maybe there's a turnover or whatever in there i mean they had 23 points on the rams um and they had a couple field goals there at, at the end so i could see them getting getting to thir- 31 i could see raheem mostert housing one you know the, the problem this year, I feel like we've talked about this. They've had a bunch of like 12, 13, 14 play drives, which just are hard to sustain. They haven't hit like the Matt Breida 85 yard run against Cleveland or whatever as much. And I get, I think they get some of that against Buffalo and they score 31. You could not have answered that better. That was perfect. So, yeah, yeah, they have not been explosive this year at all. And getting Mostert back would help. Getting Ayuk back would help. And obviously Debo back. So the Bills. This year, they rank 22nd in yards per drive, 27th in points per drive, 23rd in plays per drive, and 26th in success rate per drive. And that's all defensively. So I imagine Kyle Shanahan is licking his chops. He probably has all kind of ideas of what to do against this defense because just, just watch what Arizona did, watch what the Chargers did. They were able to do essentially whatever they wanted to. So I, I feel like the 49ers are going to win too just because, as, I, as we said, Mullins is going to have to play hero ball. He's just going to have to just pitch and catch, man. And there's going to be throws where he misses. There are going to be plays that, you know, he looks like a backup quarterback because he is a backup quarterback. But Mostert, Wilson, and I think 
you know, those two fumbling. I really liked how Kyle Shannon went right back to them, by the way. I think we talked about that after the fumble, just that they maintain confidence. Yeah, I think we see a lot of big plays on offense. I think they're going to really take advantage of IU. Have to be careful with Trey Wright because he's pretty good too. But my yeah. prediction, 27 to 26. And so wait, you, you gave me crap for 31, but you thought they're, they're going to score 27? <laughs> the, first of all, you said the Ram, they scored this against the Rams. Javon Kinlaw scored that many against the Rams. Uh, the the offense is good. But no, um, the reason I do say that is because this, I, and I was trying to set you up. I, I was wondering if you would crumble or not. Um, <laughs> so we saw against the Saints. So they should have scored 30 points. But because, you know, muff punts and, you know, Mullins being Mullins in that game, they did not. So they've, they've had their opportunities. And I just think that highly of the play caller, the talent. And I just think that it, it is not a good match. I watched the Bills-Chargers game today. And I watched the Cardinals Bills play before the Bills bye week. And I just don't think that they're very good on defense. I do think they will be able to score against this defense. So, so it'll be come down to red zone stops because the Bills offense is, I think, second best in the NFL on third down. So uh, the defense will have their hands cut out for them. But again, I just think the offense will be too much, man. And Kyle Shannon will be on a roll. So 27, 26, no way they scored 30 points. <laughs> and uh, what's the record when Kyle Posey's in the house? They're uh, 1-1. Is that right? Uh, this year? Yeah, this year. Yeah, so the Seattle game I was at did not go well. <laughs> yeah, that, that was uh, not not a – that was ugly. You could have been in Mexico. They right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it, it is cool, man, just to be able to, to go to practice for those couple minutes or to be able to watch the 49ers play live and only have to drive like 15 minutes to go see them and not have to stay in a freaking Airbnb or hotel after the fact, be able to come to my bed. That's why the 49ers will win, because I will be in the building. Thank you for listening. This is the Shanna Plan, episode 14. 16. 14, 16, 27, one of those numbers. My name's Kyle Posey. Follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, how about yourself? Uh, follow me at Akash Anav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V, and go Niners. Go team! <laughs>